Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the culture of skateboarding. My guest today, Rob Mathewson, is originally from England where he started skating and making art. These days when he's not out skating with his friends and filming with the help of his dog Fat Man, Rob works as a freelance illustrator. He's collaborated with many skateboarding and clothing brands such as Enjoy or Girl in Chocolate. He was a close friend of Ben Raymer's who passed away in May 2019 and therefore has helped launch the Ben Raymer's Foundation along with Ben's sister Lucy. Its purpose is to bring awareness of mental health issues by creating social media content, short films, and delivering suicide prevention training to people throughout the skateboarding community. So here's my conversation with Rob. I hope you enjoy it. So yeah, thank you very much for uh, taking a little bit of your time to uh, chat with me. I appreciate it. That's okay. I talked with Nestor about a week ago or 10 days ago. He was my first interview for, for this new podcast I'm starting. And I, I wanted to um, talk about the Ben Ramers Foundation and I asked him uh, who, who should I get in touch with and he told me about you. I just checked out a little bit of your work in the last few days and uh, really enjoyed it very much. So I have oh, a few questions you. for you. and. So yeah, basically, I just want to talk to you about what you do, your work as an illustrator, and uh, how you got into skating and everything, and, and also talk a little bit about the, the foundation. Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, so maybe just to get started, if you want to maybe tell me a little bit about yourself, where you live, where you grew up, and everything. I know you're in London right now, right? Uh, is that where you grew up? That's right, yeah. So I grew up just outside London, uh, near a place called Kingston, sort of southwest. I don't know how I got, I got into skateboarding. I think the sort of classic way, there was a couple of friends at school who did it. I think probably Bart Simpson had something to do with it. <laughs> and then it sort of progressed on from there. Those friends stopped doing it. I guess not. it wasn't as popular as it is now. So I think they actually both started rollerblading. Mm-hmm. One started rollerblading and one started breakdancing, I think. And uh, I just carried on skateboarding from there. How old were you when you started skating? Like in your teen years or...? Yeah, I mean, like a proper proper skateboard that was trying to do tricks and stuff, I'd say like 14, 15. So I don't know if that's early or late. I mean, it's quite late, I guess. I guess it's, uh, for today's standards, it's probably late, later, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be sponsored by them. Yeah, you know? or pro or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you started skating around that time. And um, were you ever uh, sponsored or did you ever try to go on that path you know trying to make it as a as a professional skateboarder or was it always just something you wanted to to do as a fun activity and you never really had a kind of a career path uh, that you wanted to go on i never had a career path in it i think i like would get sent bits and pieces by distributors right but i like had a lot of friends who were taking that path and it's very clear they were much better than me so Mm -hmm. i had a standard next to me that uh I knew I wasn't going to reach anyways. So it was always just something to do for fun, like socially, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also wanted to ask you about South Bank because I, I, I saw that you were very involved in uh, a few years ago. The, the spot almost got taken out. I don't really know how to uh, explain, but 
Yeah, they were going to turn it into shops. Yeah, that's right. So, so, and you, you were part of this movement that was created to preserve it and make sure that it would stay in its place. And eventually, it, it did. And now, I think it's uh, even like uh, grown from from what it was a few years ago. Can you just tell me yeah. a little bit about that? About when you first went skating there? How old were you when you were doing that? And and how did this whole movement uh, prevent this from from happening? I mean, I've started going to South Bank not long. After I probably started skateboarding, it's like a half-hour train ride from my house, and it's right at the Waterloo train station where you get off. So it's like an easy place for people to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I sort of, I guess I grew up skating there. That's like the main place I skated. And then, as far as the movement, I, I wouldn't say I was like massively involved. I'd help out with drawings and things if I can. I, that would have to go to Hold Tight Henry, who makes those films. He was super involved, like really did well, and the Long Live South Bank organization as well. But they managed to stop it. They got enough signatures and got enough attention. They managed to stop it becoming a Starbucks, which is amazing because obviously it's such a historic place. For sure, yeah. And then now, yeah, they've opened up almost as it was when I started going there. So it was very small and now they've opened up and they've actually rebuilt the small banks because everything had been knocked down in there. So it wasn't a case of just opening up. They had to get the money to sort of rebuild what was there. But yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's like tripled the space. Yeah, that's great. And uh, how is it nowadays? It must be very different from, I don't know, like 10 or 15 years ago. It's probably a bit more tourist. Uh, how do you say? Tur- touristic? Touristy? Uh... Yeah, I mean, as soon as they put the bar up along the side of it to sort of separate the skate, you used to be able to just skate out towards the river right. and back in. That, that bar that people sometimes uh, go over from the, the bank? Yeah. So there was already one originally round the banks, I guess, to stop people falling in. But now there's one that goes, it goes all the way across the whole of South Bank. So it's kind of like a guardrail for people to lean on. It kind of feel, I don't know, you, you feel on show if you're skateboarding there. If you know what I mean, there's like hundreds of people always yeah, with cameras and so it's not quite the same. But then again, there's skateboarding so much bigger and more accepted. I guess people actually pay attention. I feel like people just thought it was a nuisance before and just walk past and not really pay much attention. Yeah, we'll talk about that eventually too. Can you tell me a little bit about how art and drawing and everything come into your life? Uh, was that around the same time as you were starting to skate or was that earlier? Or I mean, I think drawing uh, was always something I really liked. Like I'd always be drawing my favorite cartoon characters or, well, trying to. Always that, always that was my interest, like it was something that I thought I was always going to go into. And then at school, I just chose that pathway. I didn't really enjoy more academic maths, for example. Yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed sort of art design and even technology and design. Those sort of things I found like more practical. So is that, is that what you studied eventually after you were done with school? Uh, did you go to art school? Um, at art school, I studied animation. Animation, right, right. Yeah, so stop motion. So I was just before sort of computers took over everything, which I was fine with. So I did sort of model making, sort of Wallace and Gromit style. I, I think I saw one of your pieces from a while ago with a, like an old person walking on a, down oh, the yeah. sidewalk. And then eventually there's like, a, how do you say, like, a, a, I don't know the word in English for that in French. It's called a paresseux, like this weird animal. A sloth. A sloth, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a funny one. Yeah, that was actually that's my coursework from so long ago now, but from when I was at school. But on our course, no one, only I think three students got to do computer animation, which I was fine with. And then, but by the, at the end, when everyone sort of had their janky films in the final end of year show, and then these three other kids had sort of what looked to me like Toy Story, basically, we were like, ah, so that's why we needed to learn that. Okay, but uh. That wasn't something I really, until quite recently, that wasn't something I really pursued after university, if that makes sense. 
it was very time consuming. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. How long did it take you to do that, that little piece? I think it was like five minutes long around there or? I can't remember because it was at university and probably not as long as it should have, should have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is why there's probably bits in there where there's a hand in there or there's like. No, it was, it was, it was okay. You pulled it off okay. for sure. Nice. <laughs> So when did you start actually working like in the skateboarding industry as, as an artist? Like when did you, what was your first gig, so to speak, for like a, a board brand or a clothing brand or something like that? I think my first proper board is actually fairly recent. It was probably for chocolate. It was the Cherry Sue and Mark Johnson. Yeah, the Beavis and, Beavis and Butler yeah, yeah. ones, which that actually started off. It was going to be, well, it wasn't going to be. I, I drew them originally for Enjoy. Oh, right. Yeah. Because I was, and it was going to be Nesta and jerry jerry sue yeah because mark was already skating for chocolate for a while yeah that's right yeah and because i was friends with ben i had like an in with louis Barletta, so i'd like pester ben for louis's email address or <laughs> whatever i could get and send it and i didn't know that jerry had left enjoy at that point when i was sending that okay but for the, they said they couldn't use that and then i kept sort of sending louis once i had an in i just sort of kept sending him stuff And eventually he was, he came back and like, let's do this graphic series. He had an idea for it. So, but while that was going on, I, it was announced Jerry was on chocolate and then I sort of found a contact there and sent them. And luckily they, they liked them too. Mm -hmm. And so, so you, you've worked with like a lot of different brands. I was watching, looking at your website, you, you mentioned like Enjoy Girl, Chocolate, Alzheimer's, Nike SB, Carhartt and everything. So, so you've done a lot of different collaborations, but uh, what are some of your favorite ones? I mean, it's, it's obviously hard to just pick one, but like some, some of the work you've most enjoyed doing maybe. Uh, that's probably actually quite easy because it's probably the Nike SB stuff. My friend Jagger, Daniel Stankovic, has got me to go out to a few of the uh, Nike Am. I mean, I don't, we won't have events like that for a while, I guess, but some of the Nike Am series and sort of... In Berlin, I painted this snake run. I did it twice. So once I painted it like a river and it was just fun to be at the event. So that was like a week holiday where every day I'd like paint. And then for the last three days, there was like parties and get to watch the skating. And I know I've, that was definitely one of the, some of the most enjoyable work just because you get to travel and do things. It feels a bit more hands-on than sitting at my computer. Right, yeah. I read an, an interview you did a, a, a while ago. Um, I don't remember the name of the website, but that seems like something you're very attached to, like being very hands-on. I think you mentioned in the interview somewhere that you, you'd rather start like with a hand-drawn illustration than go straight to your computer and, and sketch something out on Photoshop or Illustrator. Oh, for sure, yeah. Is that still what you do today? Do you usually try to do as much uh, handwork before eventually going to more digital work? Yeah, so I'll, I'll always draw with pencil and paper. I don't know, it just feels more natural. And yeah, and I can rub... Although I did just get an iPad to try this Procreate thing. I've had a couple of goes on it. And it is amazing because I was seeing all the videos people can put online of them of the whole process it seems very similar but a lot easier so you can sort of sketch and it's a lot easier to erase things and you can zoom in and i'm kind of excited to have a go with that and see how that goes yeah but yeah i've never i don't really use the pen tool for example in illustrator very much or things like that it's all just lines i've drawn and then gone round. yeah okay And so in the middle of all that, when did you uh, first meet with Ben Ramers? I, I guess you must have known him for a very long time. Did you meet when you first started skating or did you meet him even before that? Or how did that all happen? I honestly can't remember the exact day. I remember 
skateboarding a long time ago. He's a lot younger than me, but I remember being at some sort of skate jam at PlayStation, uh, which is now Bay 66, and there was this little kid who was sort of flying around and obviously way better than everyone else who was there. And that was my first, that's the first time I remember seeing Ben. But as far as meeting him, it would probably be a lot later when we're both adults. So he moved to London, and I guess before then he'd come up and skate a bit. But I mean, I guess with skateboarding, I don't really know. We were just sort of skateboarding and you kind of meet other skateboarders and I can't really remember. And then later on, like the last few years of his life, he's lived, we live very close to each other. So we lived in the same area. So then it was sort of, we'd hang out a lot more then. Yeah. Okay. So uh, after his um, passing, how did the, the idea for the foundation come about? I think you were one of the persons with his sister, Lucy, who basically created the foundation. How did that whole idea and conversation take place? So after Ben passed, so we raised quite a lot of money. Like Jack Brooks had a GoFundMe to try and get a bench put into Victoria Park Skate Park, which was Ben's favourite skate park in London. And I think the GoFundMe was set at five grand and within a day it had sort of 10 grand. And then likewise, at the same time, I'd been making just some T-shirts with the silhouette on that's now. Right. Yeah. That are, we can see on the, the Ben Raymer's Instagram and, and all the... Yeah. yeah. So maybe I need to go back. Like So the day after... Ben passed. We all went to Victoria Park Skate Park just to sort of, I don't know, people just seemed to go there. And then a couple of days later, we went and painted the silhouette. I'd done it as a graphic for Ben already with his, with his brain inside for enjoy. So I had the artwork. So we went and painted it in the cradle at the skate park. So that's, that's still there. And then the image was kind of quite striking. Mm-hmm. So then I put that onto t-shirts and that made money as well. So then eventually we had all this money sort of saved up and the family as well obviously wanted to do something to remember Ben. So it was more a case we were just talking about what we could do. And I was talking with Lucy and her brother, Ollie, Ben's older brother. And it just didn't really seem possible because we're not qualified in that sort of thing, if that makes sense. But then I have another friend, Susie, who works in public health here in London and sort of just mentioned it to her thinking, oh, it might be. And she was really enthusiastic about it. Like, this is amazing. This could really, really work. And then I guess she's been instrumental in getting it set up, doing all the paperwork, knowing how it works. And then it's just kind of built from there. I'm really proud of where it is now, for sure. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, actually, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the work it's doing right now? I, I saw on the Ben Raymer's Foundation Instagram account that it um, basically does uh, training, so to speak, for like skateboarding brands to raise awareness about mental health issues. And But basically, how does it operate? Like who's working actually over there? And is it trying to really work with skateboarding brands exclusively? Or is it reaching out to people outside of the skateboarding world? Uh, basically, how, how does it operate? I mean, it's not exclusive, but I mean, that was where we're going for the skateboarding and skateboarders, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we made some smile, like our first idea was to make the smile films, right, which yeah. are interviews with professional skateboarders, sort of sharing their own experiences with mental health. Yeah, I saw, I saw some of like Nick Jensen and Aaron Harrington or something. Yeah, exactly. They, they were, yeah, really, really great interviews, they turned out. And um, the idea being that kids can see you know, professional skateboards that they look up to and wouldn't maybe even think about these things. And, oh, they've got these issues. It's okay for me to have these issues. Or how did they deal with them? And what came up in those a lot was that when they were on trips or out skating and having these issues, people who they were with didn't know how to deal with it or didn't know how to talk to them, didn't yeah, know how, what they were how going to through. support or help them with their issues. And, yeah. 
Exactly. So kind of almost directly from those came the idea of the uh, training. So we've helped deliver suicide awareness training as well as suicide prevention training, which are online, obviously, because of COVID. But that's actually that's actually worked out quite well because it's meant it's a lot easier to get a lot of people onto a Zoom call than it would be to get them to go somewhere or to be at one place at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And uh, so we're trying to do that. Team managers, photographers, Rob Collins at Converse has been absolutely amazing and used Converse's contacts. So the most recent one we're doing with Living Works has been delivered to like, I got the list of people in its companies, like photographers. It's like really amazing, like the amount of people that we're starting to reach with it, I think. Yeah, it's really rad uh, what you're doing. And it seems to really uh, create some interest in the skateboarding community for that topic, which is not an easy conversation to have. You know, suicide is definitely something very tragic and tough to discuss. And probably historically, skateboarders couldn't really maybe share their uh, dark thoughts or something. And yeah, so it's really good that at least after this tragic loss of Ben Raymer's, uh, people are actually, you know, having conversations about it. And, and it's probably helping a lot of people out. So that's that's really amazing. I hope so. And it makes me sad because I feel like after Ben's passing and not necessarily just through the foundation, of course, but in general, I feel the world has started speaking about it more. Like you see more mental health raised on television. I feel like he just missed out on like, I don't know and everyone's starting to understand and talk a bit more. Who's working with the foundation today? I know that Lucy, his sister, is very involved. Is it just the two of you, or are there more people that operate it on a daily basis? How, how does it operate, basically? No, there's four trustees. So there's Lucy... Ben's sister, there's Francesca, Ben's cousin, there's myself, and then there's Susie Crowe, who's my friend I told you about, who works in public health and has basically made it all happen. That's all I can say, really. She, she's the one who knows, sort of, has all the contacts, knows what paperwork we need to fill in, knows where we need to go. Okay. And so, so you, you do illustrations, obviously, for uh, the foundation, but do you also deliver, like, uh, training or...? None of us are qualified in that respect. We're not a crisis service. We can try and raise awareness and point people in the direction of where they can get help, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, the training's been delivered by Grassroots here in the UK and then uh, also Living Works Education. We've bought licenses from them and helped deliver their training. So there's a professional who delivers the training, if that makes sense. And we're just gathering the people and sending them to it. Mm. Okay. I'm going to change subjects a little bit just for one second, but I asked Nestor if he had a question I could ask you. He told me, ask uh, Rob, how is Fat Man doing? Fat Man's doing good. He's making the noise in the background. That's right, yeah. When I read his message, I was like, who the hell is Fat Man? <laughs> <laughs> no, Fat Man's fine. He's getting on a bit now. So for people who are, who are listening, Fat Man is, is your dog? Yeah, Fat Man's my dog. He had a brief uh, stint of fame because he filmed skateboarding with a GoPro, sort of a little experiment we started, and it went, it worked really well. So that was fun. I think he might be a bit, he's a bit too old now to keep up around the skate park, but uh, th that was his little claim to fame for a bit. It's like a proper skate filmer. Yeah. Competition for Jacob Harris. I taught Jacob Harris everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, mentioning Jake Harris, did you have some a section in, uh, I think I saw you had a section in the, the 11th hour video when it came out a few years ago? 
Yeah, well, I had, I had some tricks in there for sure. Yeah, Jake's a friend of mine. And again, that was just from being around and skate, skating with people who were filming parts for it, I guess. So I used to live with Nick Jensen. So if Nick was going out skating, I was always going out skating with him, I guess. So Yeah, so you, you were involved with all the, like the London scene, the Isle guys and the Atlantic Drift crew and everything. Yeah, they're all good friends of mine, for sure. Mm-hmm. Also, Nestor asked me if you had, um, he told me that you did a lot of graphics for Enjoy and for Ben. Yeah. Do you have any good ones that never got used uh, for, for production? Or I've seen that you've shared a few on your Instagram account of some, some work that you've done that they didn't get used. But uh, yeah, do you have any, any ones that come to mind? There's a few. Sometimes I'll just get an idea in my head and rather than just sketch it out and send it, I'll go the whole way and finish it. And then often it'll be something I should have checked but there'll be copyright issues or something. I did a really fun one of Louis Barletta sat on a panda, but he was He-Man and the panda was Battle Cat with lightning coming from a sword. And, but that would have been copyright, apparently. Oh, yeah. Infringements, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is a lot of stuff with bigger companies now. You can't seem to get away with little jokes like that. What else? One I just shared recently, I wanted to draw cars. This is a while ago. I just found it on a hard drive. It's weird. I wanted to draw different movie cars for different team riders, but I got two cars into it and then Girl Skateboards released the exact same idea. Oh, right, yeah. I saw a post you did on that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it already been, like it came out as I was sat at my desk, I looked at the exact same idea, which is just one of those weird coincidences, I guess. So that one got stopped pretty early. <laughs> but that one that one was fun for the couple I did. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's too bad, but yeah. Sometimes uh, you have a good idea and you realize someone had it just a little bit before you did, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with Ben, it was always like, um, we'd come up with a lot of the ideas together. So then, and because he had a direct line to Louis, I'd kind of know if it was going to be used early on, I guess. There might be a gap in the in their boards or... Actually, similarly with the last Nestor board I did, that was his idea. I'll just ask, if I know the person, I can ask, what would you like as a board graphic? Because then at least you know they're going to be stoked on it. If you can get something, that's half the battle one. And you just need the art department at the skateboard company to like it too. Yeah. And um, how is everything going right now in London with COVID and everything? That's really a side question, but I'm just interested. Uh, are you still somewhat quarantined or is it getting a bit more easy nowadays? Or And, and do you get to skate and, and see your friends as you used to be, before COVID happened? Or how are things going in, in the UK right now? Skateboarding, it seems people have just been skating. I mean, I guess it counts as exercising on your own. I'm not sure, but it seems like things are opening up again. I mean, we've had three lockdowns, I think, so we'll see what happens. But you're allowed to go and meet six other people, five other people, I think the rules are at the moment. So you can go skating with your friends. Team, so I play football, team sports, so we're allowed to play team sports at the moment. So you're just not allowed to have parties and lots of people in one place inside, I think, still. Yeah. Can, can you get a vaccine? Uh, like, for, for example, can, can you get a vaccine nowadays or, or do you have to still wait before older people get some or...? You have to be asked to go and get it. So my parents have had it now. Well, they've had the first shot. And I've got a couple of friends who've had it. I'm not sure. I mean, they weren't really sure. Like they maybe they had, they were old and they were a child or something and they've made it onto a list. But I had COVID. So oh, you did? I already had it. Yeah. Did you get like a, a full on fever and everything? Or what were your symptoms? I mean, it was pretty bad for a couple of days. Just sort of really bad flu. Just in bed for a couple of days but I mean I feel like I'm quite lucky because I've got friends who went through that for like over a week or two so yeah I feel like I was pretty lucky and I didn't have the loss of smell or taste or anything my girlfriend made me go and get tested because I was coughing so I probably wouldn't have gone unless it was for that but it's good to know mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I have some friends who got a, like the, I don't know how you call that in English, but basically like long COVID where you have it and you just keep having it for like a super long time, like months. And, and eventually you have like a little breaks, you know, where you kind of feel a little bit better and then boom, you're back with a big fever and everything and in your bed for three weeks or something. It's really yeah, awful. Yeah, dreadful. Really, yeah. really bad. Yeah, no, those are difficult times. And, and, and actually, um, that actually interests me as well. How does COVID impact uh, your activity with uh, the foundation? Like all, all the training that you've been doing, did, did you see a spike of interest basically? or It's hard to say because the training started within the lockdown. So we've only actually ever done it over Zoom so far. And we just tried to sort of put things... We, had a, we did a few Instagram lives where we had skateboarders. Karan took sort of a course on release, on just trying to get, get rid of injuries. We had a physio one, Dakota Hunt did a yoga one, and just sort of give people... I mean, the idea was when you're locked in at home, give people something to do that may be like good for their health or beneficial. And then lockdown kind of eased enough that people are allowed outside after a while. But then, yeah, as far as the training... We we're in the planning stages for training, so we were looking into how we could do it in skate shops, etc., and get all the staff there, which was proving quite tricky, actually, to get places to close for the amount of time and get all of their staff to go in to sort of... Which is why, although it's not as personable doing it over Zoom, it made it a lot easier to get... A lot, like, we've done it with people from all over the country in sort of one meeting, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, do you plan on doing on-site trainings uh, like you just mentioned? Is that something that you would want to do uh, once COVID is uh, done, basically? Or I believe so. I mean, it would be probably something we have to talk about now, but um, that was always the plan originally. Whether I think these companies, who are, these charities who are delivering it as well, a lot of them were just testing out this. So they were just testing out the Zoom and how it works because there's a lot of issues with safety and making sure everyone's okay who's on the call because obviously some quite serious things get brought up. So Sure, yeah. There's like a lot of rules that like you have to leave your camera running at all times just so everyone can make sure you're okay. So I think definitely, for sure. Okay. I have maybe just one last question before I let you go. We mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation. I started skating in 2000 when I was 13. And when I started skateboarding was still, at least in France, it was still somewhat, you know, small and underground, so to speak, even though it was kind of getting more recognition with the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games and everything. And it's just been interesting to see how it's evolved in the last 20 years and now that it's becoming an Olympic sport. And I just wanted to have your, your thoughts on that, on how you see skateboarding nowadays and how you see it progress in the future and maybe what you think of like uh, the future Olympics. Are you going to watch them or is that something you're definitely not interested in and just basically your thoughts on the progression of skateboarding? That's a really tricky question. Um, <laughs> I think I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily and I'll probably I probably would watch it if it was on TV. I haven't I have never seen Street League or anything like that. I mean it's very impressive but it's not something I'm particularly interested in seeing I guess. Mm -hmm. Although there's, a, there's a skateboarders who I'd be interested in seeing. I don't know. Skateboarding was just as I I think I started skating a little bit before you and it was It was that small sort of, this is our thing. At the time I was playing football, but I was a lot, I suddenly became a lot smaller than everyone else. And skateboarding was something I could just go and do more as much as a social thing as trying to get good at skateboarding. You know, like all of my friends I'm now friends with are skateboarders pretty much. Like all my good friends, I don't have too many friends left from school. I kind of lost touch of them. And most of my good friends are now involved in skateboarding in some way now. I think it's quite a very social activity. Yeah. Which I hope that doesn't get lost when, you know, kids are getting coached and trained. And I guess it's just a different, it's a different thing. It could be like that skateboarding, this is this skateboarding. Maybe like longboarding is 
a different thing. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't think it's a bad thing. The more people that skateboard, the more acceptable it gets. I don't know. Do people become less angry if you're skateboarding in the streets? And then in Sweden, you have things like they're building architecture. I mean, Gustav over there is doing great stuff, obviously, but they're building things you can skateboard on purpose. But they, like, have things... The city are getting involved in building things. Not necessarily skate parks, because not everyone wants to go to a skate park, but they're building architecture and encouraging people to skateboard it. Which I still can't see that happening in London, but... Maybe if skateboarding gets bigger, things like that become more common. Yeah, that's actually, I think it's a good point. Uh, it's going to be a good outcome from this whole Olympic media coverage. It's that maybe we'll give more opportunities for skateboarders to create skatable places within cities. Uh, I know that there's a skater here in France called Leo Valls. He's in Bordeaux and he's uh, working with the city of Bordeaux to, you know, build basically skate spots in, inside the city that are not exactly skate parks. They're, they're not like proper skate parks. They're just basically little obstacles like designed by him or friends of his. He's really working with the city to make skateboarding more accessible for the skaters and, and for people to, you know, to uh, not be too bothered by it basically by the noise by the yeah. somewhat of the news nuisance that it can create so yeah that's probably a, a no, really good exactly it, yeah. like a good outcome from from this whole olympic thing so uh yeah i don't know if you ever get like um dms or something from young skaters who are maybe struggling with mental health issues but like basically if someone is having dark thoughts and looking for help what could you recommend to someone like that who's struggling with uh, mental health issues I mean, go and see your doctor is like the first thing. I know in some countries that's not free. It's not National Health Service, but that's always like seeing your GP or... Because we, we do get DMs to the foundation. But again, we're not a crisis service. So we'll help where we can. I'll, I'll try and um, look up the services in the country from wherever the person's calling from. It is better to talk about it. Obviously, I know that's said a lot, but the thoughts are temporary and uh, talking about it should help. And if you can get the help, Seeing a professional is really what we try and recommend, basically. And yeah, not be afraid to talk about it with either your good friends or your family. or. Of course. A lot of people are scared of bringing it up or ashamed, and that's not something you shouldn't feel ashamed at all. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was really, really nice talking to you. Yeah, nice to speak to you. This concludes my conversation with Rob Matheson. To learn more about his work as an illustrator, go check out his website rmatheson.com, his Instagram account at robmatheson, as well as his dog Fatman's latest videos at fatmanthedog. As for the Ben Ramers Foundation, go support their amazing work on their website thebenramersfoundation.com, their Instagram account at thebenramersfoundation, and go check out their newest smile video interview with Isle Pro Skater Chris Jones. Thank you for listening to this episode. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. Mm -hmm.